0: the brand herald podcast where leaders explore how great brands are built join landon wade owner of Goodson clothing and supply company as he interviews business leaders and marketing experts to learn about the successes and failures of building great brands one last thing the views and opinions shared by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own enjoy the show
1: I want to welcome everybody to another episode uh, of the Brand Herald podcast, where we talk to leaders and uh, other members of the you know the community, the business community, and also customers in some instances, just about you know building great brands and how you go about doing that. And I'm excited to have both J.K. and Kelly McKnight with me today. So first of all, just want to thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. You know, there's a lot to cover. I spent time with both of you individually before we did this, and I really enjoyed you know both of those times and. And you guys have both done so much in the community. It's probably gonna be hard to fit it all into 40 minutes. But, um, I know when, when JK and I talked yesterday, you talked about the fact that you were excited to to do a podcast about branding because of all the things you've done, you haven't really done that. So, so that's cool. And, and then Kelly, just your experiences. So, Hey, but before we get into a lot of that, I wanted to just start, um, a lot of people may know you both, but Kelly, if you could just like, just give us a little background, like, you know, where are you from, school, family, anything that maybe could just help people get to know you just a little bit?
0: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm from Cincinnati originally. Graduated from Ohio State with a degree in uh, communication. Uh, got my first advertising job uh, at Bozell & Jacobs in Dallas, Texas, and worked primarily on American Airlines there, Lone Star Beer, and a bunch of other stuff right now. What? Then I'm to St. Louis, and I worked on Budweiser. So I did that for a number of years. Then I went up to Cincinnati and I worked at Stockton, West Burkhart, and our major account was Wendy's. And then one of the one of the guys that uh, liked me a lot and offered me to start an agency up here in Louisville. Kentucky. Uh, and he owned 50, 45, 50 Wendy's franchise. So I, we came to Louisville, we started up an agency, did that for a couple of years, and I went to work for Price Weber Marketing Communications back when it was a very large company. We had 150 employees. And uh, we handle mostly Cummins Engine Company, all of Brown and Williamson, all a lot of Brown and Foreman. So we did cigarettes, beer, and diesels, and we also did Navistar trucks. So there it was. I've been here ever since. So I've been here, God, since it's, it's forty years. I've been a little so for, and then after that, I started up the first internet marketing company here in town called Via Internet Marketing or Via Internet Studio, which is still in business
1: to this day. But I retired ten years. ago. There you go. Yeah, okay. no, it's great. And I, I remember now because you're wearing the Buckeyes hat, so go Bucks. Uh, <laughs> but J.K., can you tell me? G- just give us a little background too on you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, go UC. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, and then not uh, yet. Yeah, he yeah, said dad brought the family here when I was four. Um, Jim Patterson gave them the opportunity to start his his first marketing agency. It's like my dad kind of genetically gave me the opportunity to start my first marketing agency. And, uh, yeah, went to, uh, grade school, St. Agnes, uh, high school, St. X, uh, college, uh, college of Charleston, South Carolina, uh, followed by Bellarmine and, uh, University of Louisville. um, I did not graduate. I I dropped out after my sophomore year. I knew that I wanted to pursue a career in the creative industry and and felt that there was nothing left in the academic world that uh, could teach me uh, how to be better at what I wanted to do than actually just going out and doing it. Um, So I I left school after my sophomore year. Uh, Yeah, that's when I I started – touring and, and building my own uh, independent yeah. brand and dot uh, that and led to uh forecastle which then led to the foundation and led to yeah our vipact and brand jam and all the other companies have had since uh,
1: yeah and we're going to dive into that stuff here in a second and really quick kelly i don't know if you how much you want to talk about this but i did find it interesting when we met um you know obviously you said you said it you've been around a little for a long time and i found the uh I found the post when you retired in 2000 and was it 12? Yeah. Um, and, and they quoted, they said that, you know, where all the bodies are buried around here. Quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Know. I think mo- <laughs> most most people around here would know you from VIA would be my guess. I mean, among other things, but I'm curious, what are, like, what's like what been keeping you busy since you retired? And, and-
0: Well, I do some part time. Once in a while, I still get a call to consult. So I do that every once in a while. If I like the product. And I'm like, I'm working on a product right now. And uh, I worked with JK when he started forecasting. It was a family operation. You know, we were non-profit, and there was no employees other than JK, uh, paid employees. I and so, you know, it was, yeah, it was kind of a charity. <laughs> so JK had all these jobs to do. And of course, the two worst jobs were security at Fort So I got security, and my wife got. So I started working security you know, a couple of years and then we sold out or sold half of it to uh uh, uh a company uh, that does Bonnaroo, Ashley Caps AC Entertainment. And so they split 50-50 and Ashley called me and said, Hey, would you mind if I brought my own security guy on board? I said, Sure. The guy called me up. Uh actually JK ran into him at, at the Voodoo Fest. Yeah. They shared they shared a cab down. Yeah, you know, so he called me up. We got to know, you know, he said, would you mind if I work with you? I said, well, no, I don't want to work with you, but I will work for you because I have no idea what I'm doing. And he came on board. We got along. And next thing I know, I'm working. I mean, I retired and I started working for him. So I started traveling around the country doing music festivals all over the country for him. And I've been doing it ever since. And about four years ago, I got sick. So I said, hey, I'm just doing Louisville now. So I just got through a 29 29th phase in life. Bourbon and
1: Beyond. So I run mm-hmm. much shit there. So I'm still doing security. JK, so a lot of people obviously know Forecastle Festival and they would probably definitely connect you to that. But and and I'm and and we'll spend the better part of our conversation here in a minute kind of going into deeper detail. But if you could just tell people a little bit about what you're doing today with Art of Impact and Brand Jam.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh I took to yeah, retire from uh festival producing when I was seven. Uh, got into private equity for a couple of years, and uh, then got the image to get back into experiential. Um, you know, essentially, just you know, to help uh, young festival founders dream and do help them climb that out- Everest, which seems so uh, daunting when you first start out. Um, you know, a, a festival, which is you know, I would say, is look at like building a city. That's really what you're doing for um, a for thousands of people to exist in over multiple days. Uh, so I wanted to start at consultancy uh, to help those festival founders, but I also wanted to work in experiential marketing, um, help brands uh, build it, you know, successful uh, experiential marketing activations uh, for the, the festival side. So uh, what that means to people, you know, experiential marketing is, is the place that brands and fans
0: need inside festivals. I'm going to interrupt you. I think J.K. actually invented that term. Um, it, uh, we we disagree about this, but I had never heard it before, Jalee, said.
1: Uh, yeah. And I actually, I'm looking forward to kind of exploring that concept here a little bit more in a second, but yeah.
2: Uh, but yeah, so it was kind of, he was working with festival founders and then brands yeah. all under the festival umbrella and then uh, doing social impact strategy, work to foundation, still have foundation. Um, so it was, you know taking social impact strategy and uh, embedding it within our festival development, spiritual marketing services. Uh, so that's Art of Impact. We've been around for three years. Um, we consult all in the country. Uh, got projects right now in New York, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Los Angeles, Minnesota, um, kind of all, all over the place. Uh, and then Brand Jam really was was is my latest venture, and that's a. Um, it's a data activation platform for the beverage alcohol uh, industry. I, I work heavily in beverage in i festival world. Is about percent of all our sponsorships, uh, so I got to see you know very up close and personal pain points uh, and ROI transparency at these uh, beverage alcohol brands deal with sponsorship. Uh, so I wanted to fix that in the festival environment, and it also helps you know, festival founders be festivals be you know, safer, smarter, more efficient more profitable Uh, um so yeah so those are those the two companies that
1: have been yeah and i know you've been going around and 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 building i say coalition raising money for brand gen which we could touch on a little bit but so um i want to start talking about brand and and, you know and i shared this with both you i think brand is really hard to define i think um you know if you ask 10 people and kelly we talked a lot about this if you ask 10 people to define brand you're gonna get 10 different answers um it's it's just something I think a lot of people kind of act like is scientific, act like they understand, but but they don't. So um, specifically, Kelly at, at Via, um, I know that you shared a story or two with me, of which there are tons more, I'm sure. But you worked with a lot of um, well known brands, and I know that success, you know, several successful campaigns, taglines. And one of the things I think that hit me as we were standing on the street, you know, at, at the very end, you know, saying goodbye, as you were talking about just some of the work that you had done specifically on like simplifying taglines and just taking, you know, complex things and, and making them simple. But what I really want to ask you is like, from your experience, how would you kind of, what's, what's brand building like today versus what it was like when you were at VIA?
0: Well, even before VIA... Viet- Via was more internet, in, so I was really almost out of the branding boat back when I was Price Weber, Darcy, and Kevin of the large Jansons, okay. one of those agencies, two of the top five in the world. So I learned how to brand from Procter & Gamble, okay? That's where I really learned about brand, because back in those days, they sold a lot of what we call parity products. I mean, toothpaste is toothpaste. Mouthwash is mouthwash. Laundry detergent is laundry detergent. So you had to create something that would differentiate you from the rest of the pack, and that is branding. Branding starts with the name, then the positioning line, design of the logo, the color schemes, and then it goes from there. And I don't know how important branding is these days. Um, back in the day, I could say you deserve a break today. And say, oh, McDonald's or Coke is it? You knew that. Uh, just do it. Nike. These were great branding. Because what branding does is take the whole essence of a product
1: down to a simple visual at four or five words. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And I remember <laughs> that, you telling me when we met, I was just gonna say, I remember you telling me when I asked that question when we met, I said, what, what is branding? And I feel like I remember you saying people just don't do it today, really. They don't because
0: advertising has changed, marketing has changed. It used to be from an image standpoint, Okay. Now it's more from an informational standpoint. All right. So, you know, if you want to find out about a product these days, you don't watch television because nobody watches TV. They watch cable now. Radio is pretty much dead. TV, radio, print. I mean, newspapers are going out of business left and right. So, it's, it's magazines too. So, it's very hard. Back in the day, you had three networks ABC, NBC, CBS. That was it. That's your TV. Okay, you may have one or two radio stations you lived. you get one newspaper and maybe two magazines, let's say Time and Life, and that's how you communicate it. Today, it's different. If I want to know about something, type it the internet, I found everything I want to know. So, it went from mass communications, back when I was doing it, to now one-to-one communication. That's what it is today. So, what you want to do on the internet is, when you create branding on the internet, is you want to create a one-to-one relationship with your consumer. Back in the day, it was one to many. Now it's one to one, and that's what I don't think the need for branding is there as much because back then you had thirty seconds to get your whole product idea across, so you had to do it quickly. Today, you've got all the time in the world. Go to the website. Find out what you need. Find out all the information. so it's more imp- creating a, a relationship one to one, and also de- de- delivering the information people want to know to make the first decision. Yes, yeah, quickly. Yeah, there it is. Yeah,
2: you know, we started with branding, um, and we say you know branding is the DNA. It differentiates. It distinguishes. It's the ability to create a unique, distinct, proprietary brand identity, and the insight festival uh, so i in a festival space i do put weight into it um mm-hmm. uh, you know in part of that's just because the space is so crowded um and in a very crowded space it, 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 it. puts emphasis on the need uh, to stand out uh and to be memorable
0: um uh, again to be different you know? at, at memorable but informative informative yeah, yeah. It, it, and that's always been the case <clears throat> yep you're not memorable. more the changes but if, in the in branding world, if you weren't memorable, at least you had to be informative. Okay? I've got to tell you understand that. Yeah. Like, yes. i clean floors. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, you, you've branded yourself. I, you think, talk- I think the best branding
2: it, it, it ingrains itself into you in a way. What was the great line you created? Start your weekend on Thursday or
0: uh, what was it? I took over Michelob beer, which at that time was really the only premium beer in America. And they had been going with the theme line, weekends were made for... So what happened was people paid attention to it. They drank Michelob only on the weekend. I came on board and said, reposition it. So I came up the line, putting a little weekend in your week. So I... I love that. Yeah. yeah. We got about it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love it too. That's branding because it was informative, but that's also told people sometimes pay attention to the advertising. But because they were, it, it got to be kind of yay yang thing in uh, anheuser Bush. It was well, does Michelob make the occasion important, or is the important occasion called for Michelob? It's like, oh, yeah. give me one hand clapping here. Are we off? You no, know, you know, So that it was pretty weird, you know. So. It, it, that's branded, you know um, I did one of my best brands ever did was Lone Star Beer. Uh, yeah, Lone Star Beer was a beer made in Texas. It was only bulk pasteurized, so it only had a shelf life of a month. You know what's skunky. So we created the, the theme line, "No place but Texas." Lone Star Beer: No place but Texas." Well, that was because it was a product
1: efficiency. Not <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way. It's funny. so but I mean, it's somewhat practical. Yeah, you know, but but in off
0: because it, you know all Texans are real proud of being from Texas, and uh, so it's perfect. I mean to begin. Jk, I've you know wonderful a uh, uh, job branding forecast. Cash. Yeah, I was about that's
2: so I was going to go to. I mean, music art activists. perfect. what one of one of federal trade. Perfect. You that—that was it. I mean that and that was who we were and and, and who we would end up being. We we, we just you know the whole twenty-year history, like it was just. Proving upon that same model that was created, you know, in in the very beginning. But that model connected. And I, I always tell the story that you know, in the first year, the first festival was just, you know, it was fifty people in a city park, hundred people. It was it was nothing, and it was just music. It was music, 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 and when we added, you know, the the brand, you know, we went from a concert. You know, it's what I consult on. It's like concerts are not festivals. Festivals are brands. Concerts are not. Um, and we went to a festival that was music art activist. Suddenly, the uh, you know the audience tripled its size. Well, that's because suddenly you had a, you had a brand that was multifaceted and dynamic, was going to attract exponentially more people than this
0: singular linear. Three separate markets. We had, three separate markets. Music was one, art was one. You know, an activist. It was he really differentiated himself from every other music festival. He did a and to where they were all trying to copy J.K.
2: Yeah, uh, and that's what we still. Take, well, so and you know, we most of our time. I with- ask this,
1: so um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, J.K. I just I'm curious because, in, uh we touched on this yesterday. Like, you know, obviously Kelly, your entire career, it sounds like, for the most part, from from day one was agency. You just spent the majority of your career in agency. But J.K., you, know, you had no formal training in any of this. This is. You know, you, you you're you're sort of a walking entrepreneurial cliche, right? Like the college dropout success. Um, nice. Talk to talk to me about that. Like, just th- how you know, it's just kind of something that you kind of do. It's almost kind of just in you, a part of you.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, Matt, I never had any formal education, business, marketing, PR, business development, sales, legal, finance, all all the things that you know go into building any successful company. Um, but so many of them to me were, were just intuitive. Um, you know, I, I think that just, it, it comes from a, you know, a father who was a creative if they thought with a vision, you know, and I'm really good yeah. at up with the vision. Uh, and then my mom was kind of this German industrialist, you know, who just really was into, you know, the, the you know, modern day assembly.
0: So event like, planning. Event planning. So my head took yeah, heads yep. the
2: Yeah. The yeah. So its deep, weeds. You know, and so I could, either, and there is not. I have, I found in my career, there's not a lot of people that can do both that can oscillate every day between, you know, being able to see what's right around the corner and, and see it so clearly, but then being able to go ahead and execute that, take that bring to fruition. Exactly. Uh, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's what I've done. Five, five companies down all have been uh, successful. So I haven't had a startup failure, not, not on wood, um, but a lot of it, it comes from, you know, the first 10 years of my career was, you know, Working harder, Not Smarter. And you know, it was just, uh, you know, building a festival at a time and there weren't any festivals. You know, you just, you had to write the book. There was no one to talk to. There was no one. You could look to Europe. You could look to European festival models, uh, which is what my partner, you know, Ashley Capps did. And it's installed the European model into uh, the seat. Um, and, you know, I took activism, which I thought should have been a much bigger part of festivals. in need it. I had um, of our festivals
0: in a way that festivals weren't doing. Well, it. tell them how you put activism in, in, in the equation. What didn't you do to what was yeah, in the, well, the biggest thing was, it was a couple of things. Um, you know, it's a really relevant to this
2: conversation. So, first of all it was making sure that it was it was represented on even playing field with music and art. It had the same amount uh, of real estate uh, on the site, but it was also marketed the same. You never seen that before. You never see you know uh, I don't know. Pick a group um, had hundreds. The uh, you know. Nature Conservancy or Conservation International or someone, you know, marketed on the same line as, you know, Black Keys, you know, or, you know, one of our cage the elephant or Headliners like that. And no one had ever, no one had ever done that before. Um, that was a real game changer. So, um, you did, you were like carbon neutral too. That was another thing you did. Yeah. And there's, there's I mean, every year we
0: were. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: But, uh, yeah, so it was just, you know, it was kind of learn as you go. But, I mean, it's, you know, like, oh, I'm a lifelong learner. So, I mean, it's just been, you know, really in the past couple of years, I realized that I, I should always, like, be operating companies. I'm, I'm good at, like, you know, vision, build a brand, hire a team, get in the market, build a, you know, uh, sustainable cash flow, positive, debt free, not, blah, blah, blah. but then after that, you know, it's really, you know, time for someone else to come in and, and scale that. So, I've always been good at getting things from, like, you know, a to I, but not, you know, J to T and definitely not the person that takes it from S to Z. Um, and that's, you know, when I partnered with Ashley and he met um, when I was 29, 30, um, you know, they were able to take what I have already uh, incubated uh, successfully uh, and really take it to a much larger market. So I tried to really replicate that for all my companies uh, since then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think it kind of transitions nicely into is this idea of, you know, branding today seems to be a lot more about community building, which I think ties in really well with, you know, some of the messaging on Art of Impact. And so, you know, Kelly, I'm curious over your career, has that always been the case? Has it always been about community building or is that kind of a newer move? And I, I think based well, on what you said earlier, I probably know you. Yeah. Totally. Go ahead. Yeah. We,
0: we, we were just, yeah. you know, when I was working on a product, I was concerned to sell the we had no community. Yeah. It was always in the background, like the you know, end Well, should we give something away? Should we give it to this group? You know, uh, but uh, no, it was way down the list on, on things to do. Yeah, you know? and you know, you can. There just wasn't that much community service back then. It was you know help mm-hmm. paralyzed kids or that
1: kind of thing. You might work with UNICEF or so, but no, it wasn't even in the picture. You know, well, and so yeah, JK, I would I would say like to that point on and, and 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 Kelly, you mentioned this a minute ago, saying that you feel like he coined the term experiential branding. But on Art of Art of Impact's website, you know, obviously, you see experiential branding and you see the social impact component. So, and, and again, I know that site is, is is focused on festivals, but I'm curious: is it your opinion, or would you would you both agree that you know the idea of experiential branding and social impact is important outside of it? Fe- I mean, just branding in general for anybody trying to build a brand.
2: Yeah, had, No, I think it's critical. I mean, that was you know the model and. And that helped me work together a bit on part of our impact was you know what what is the ultimate gauger model for you you know we, we know that traditional advertising working.
0: Anymore. we know that experiential does work especially with generation z and uh you know, that group because there's no way to reach uh, other than they don't watch television they don't read that you know, the only way to get to them is giving them an experience that they enjoy and hoping that you can co-opt that experience into some brand loyalty. Yeah, exactly. Ancestry yeah, announcement for uh,
2: traditional marketing. So, you know, the model came to us very clearly, which was you know, festivals is where you find them, experiential marketing uh, is how you connect with them. And then uh, social impacts actually how you deliver them. So, that became our three tiered model or trinity um, for Art uh, for of Impact. And, and it works. I've seen it work.
0: Well, in branding too, today it's much more important to attract that Generation X group or Generation Z or whatever one you want to talk to—the millennial group—is because they're more concerned today about social issues. Yeah. You know, back when I was growing up, we you know, stop the war—that was about it. You know, there wasn't a whole lot yeah. going on. Now they want a lot of things. You, need to, you yeah. need to be thinking about.
2: Well, and that's a ripe area too for consultants and for agencies that that truly know what the are uh, there's a right way to do it, a wrong way to do it, and uh, that, you know, the younger generation, you know, they can call the BS, you know, really quick. Uh, uh-huh. see yep. a brand, uh, putting a costume on, you know, at a sustainable, uh, to try to to win their favor. Um, you know, it, I, you know, I've seen, I've seen some of the biggest companies in the country completely swing and miss, um, you know, when, when trying to, to do it, uh, in a very inauthentic,
1: uh, way yeah i'm I'm looking on the art of impact website now and, and there's just you know and, and kelly you just alluded to this um that there's just you know they're they call them the unreachables and there's some good you know well, that's statistics I, I, I that's me yeah yeah it's
2: it is i can i can do it but it, i have to really work at it, it takes me a while on and for him it's just it's just there.
1: Reach the Unreachables. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now I and I, But I do think, you know, as I'm reading through this, uh, you know, 82% of millennials attended or participated in a variety of five experiences the past year, festivals, races, sports, whatever. And then it talks about uh, that they would like to increase their spending on experiences versus physical things. So there's this focus on experience and kind of moving away from materialism. And um, yeah, so it's it's just interesting to see the movement of the buying groups and and what appeals to them and how you reach them.
2: And a great line there that's on the website too, uh, Richard Macaulay over at GE uh, gave me he said, you know, Gen Z doesn't buy brands; they buy into brands. Ooh, buy yeah. into. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, well, I like that. Yeah, I think that really sums up that generation. You know, they 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 want to wear your brand on their sleeve they want to tattoo it on their back but they're not going to do it unless they they truly feel like um uh, you're an authentic brand that that is bettering uh the community in which they live and if if they if they don't get a sense of that um they will go find the brand that is doing it. it's actually a at advantage. yeah you know, it's like um brooke smith used to teach me uh I was a private equity ec- say uh, um, that you know do do the right things for the right reasons and the yeah. economics often take care of themselves. Yep. I think that that that's another um, I think line that you know it, words uh, words word of wood wit- advice of wisdom uh, to brands and do the right things for the right reasons. Um, so that that's something that I think is, is really important on the social. You can't you can't fake. It. No,
0: you. mean, if you swing and miss in that market space, done. you're done. You're cooked. I mean, you know, uh, if you miss, yeah, it's all over. The, in Twitter, the next, yeah. And actually, does, I, I meant to say that. i yeah, I actually have kind the of opposite. Exactly. So your brain
2: said to be very, very careful in that. And that's why. Um. That's why we started you know, the social impact side of the company was to teach brands like there, there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. And if you if you end up on the wrong side of the Um, it will negative that you will spend a lot of money. It will be a very expensive problem uh, that you will have on your hands. Um, You know, and you see this in the media all the time of brands that just, you know, maybe make a, 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 they put maybe their personal win, which is something i see too often in companies. They put their personal win, their personal interest, their special interest into a company, a company that I feel like has, you know, very successfully worn, um, you know, it's um, uh, its mission and its values, uh, and its social impact on its sleeve is, is a company like Patagonia.
0: I was going to uh, say that, yeah.
2: Who, you know, from from day one, um, they did everything differently in marketing, and, and I, I worked with them for years. They were my first sponsor, um, and one of the things that I thought that they uh, did so incredibly well was they decided early on that we do all their marketing, uh not through you know, traditional media or not through advertising and definitely not through PR. Uh, they did it through non-environmental, small community-based nonprofits mm-hmm. uh, across not just the country, but the whole world. And when I would go to the outdoor retailer shows, I would sit down and, uh, you know, I, w- I would look through the, the book that they which mapped out every single nonprofit um, in, in the country. And, how Patagonia had worked, had used its profits uh to uh enable uh, a conservation project a, a waterways project a trash project uh, it, it was really incredible and you know that and, and it, what they realized is that like we said by doing good uh you, you actually benefit your business because they realized that people would find out about those projects in the community in a very grassroots Authentic way, in that that was that word of mouth was going to be so much more powerful than any sort of over advertising that that company
0: uh, could ever do. But I'll tell you, other ones do it. Is your your clients Sierra Nevada beer? Yeah, that they're and they're very similar to the yeah, side. They do a wonderful. I mean, they're if you go down to their brewery, you know. It's just, you know, it's all solar powered. I mean, they just do a wonderful job with the waste disposal. It is, they're very environmentally
1: concerned and and it comes across. You know, what I feel like I hear you saying is, A, you got to be really clear on the, you know, like, I mean, why you exist or essentially the impact that you want to have. And then you got to be really authentic. Uh, If you're going to go to market with that, you have to be very authentic. And then you got to be you got to be careful because you know if you're going to go and say you're going to do something you better do it uh, and and follow through on it and have it be real and then uh, and I it, it does make me think of that Simon Sinek book start with why when you talk about JK when you talk about the the younger crowd investing in brands as opposed to buying things and and that's to me where they see brands that um you know that they they share values with and then they want to become you know customers because they want to invest in the work that that, that those brands are doing um, that's kind of what I hear you guys saying. Um, is that, am I, am I hearing it right? Yeah. y'all, yo, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, no, that's, and honestly, it's, it's really interesting because I think about it like with, with even my company and what we're trying to do. And, and, you know, we have no, I mean, if I'm just real honest, we I think probably in our hearts, we've got an impact component, but there's definitely not an impact component that is part of our, our efforts to build our brand. And I think that that, I mean. I would love to even explore that at some point with you guys offline, but, um, but no, this is, and I'll tell you, this is a good segue because you talked about Patagonia. We work with them a little bit in our space and I would agree. My experience with them is they're unflappable in terms of their, um, you know, they don't compromise their values really for anything. And, and I, I did listen to, you know, some, I've listened to some stuff about, I think it was Yvonne Chouinard was the founder, right? So there's some really interesting interviews and books and different things that he's written. But, that's a great segue into kind of what I want to talk for just the last bit of our time, which is, you know, as brands are built, there's this role that branded clothing and, and, and items or merch play. And so, um, JK, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Kelly, I want to start with you. I was just going to kind of ask like over your career, what's been the role of merch, you know, in, in terms of, you know, and that's not what it was called then. It was probably called ad specialties or whatever, but what was it's, the role of that it's stuff it's, it's, as you have seen? Or Josh. Yeah. It was, Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. What the, it was an important component, believe it or not, it was a very even back to because you want to give away that premium that you give away, especially the item you give away, has to reinforce your brand image. Okay, so I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, we, we did a lot of for like cool cigarettes, we did t shirts, they had nothing to do with what we're talking about, uh, but yeah. we really thought it through it was how can we create something that will reinforce our brand image. Um, uh, and it was, it, it, it really is something that's so, it's growing in importance because it is communicating. Okay. Right now, when you give away something that, that reinforces your brand, you know, it really, really helps, uh, helps you for, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff we did that, that was, and I'm, I'm drawing a total blank on it right now for the wineries. Uh, we, I did a bunch of different wine companies and, uh, one of them, we were doing food, all right? And it was the wine to drink with food, the complement food. So we gave away cookbooks, you know? Mm-hmm. And we used Julia Child as one of our spokespersons. So you do things like that that, that work real well. But like I said, I, for the last, when my last years in advertising, I was doing cigarettes, booze, and diesel trucks. There's not a lot to give away that's going to reinforce really their brand. <laughs> you know? Aspirin maybe or something like that. But Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I'm drawing a blank on it, but that's I think in in your world, it really is going to be Atlanta. It's really going to be more and more important because it's yeah. about image, and what you get your special item has to reinforce your image. You know, yeah, Patagonia, Patagonia, for example, Patagonia, the major thing they need a hell of a product
2: too. Yeah, yeah. That, that's actually I meant to mention that mm-hmm. earlier. Like, you know, Sierra Nevada is the same way. They started with a product that was you know, up of the highest quality possible. Uh, and, and then they just found, they found a way to market it uh, authentically uh, in a way that was, was true to their, it wasn't, you know, I think this is the comparison you were trying to up- mm-hmm. was Like it, it, it wasn't, they think they, they were doing it because um, I think, it would, it, it, you know, that was ingrained in their DNA from day one. You know, Yovan was a, uh, it was a rock client he wanted, you know, his life depends on having quality gear um, that's going to stand the test of time. So, you built Patagonia. There's a great book he wrote, actually, called, you know, The 40 yeah. Things I Learned in 40 Years of Patagonia. But it does, it starts with that quality. And Sierra Nevada, um, you know, is really the, you know, the same. Um, you know, it's really the same. They put all their emphasis on that, but
1: then they figure out yeah. JK, you've obviously done tons of merch over the years through the festivals. I'm curious your perspective on just the role of merch as you've built, you know, the brands with Forecastle, Forecastle Foundation, and so on.
2: Well, it's, it's become more important. Yeah. Uh, to, to revenue, uh, it's growing. Um, I remember hearing an artist that played Iroquois last year that you know they did forty three thousand dollars merchandise that night. Your numbers are triple, quadruple what they used to be. Um, so it, it's becoming much, much more important. In the um in, in the concert industry, and festival space, uh, especially for artists, you know, though I think are one things, You know, artists are, have been crushing it, you know, post COVID coming out two years of dormancy. Well, they, everything else, expenses have gone up, so you know, merchandise is an area, but if they, they equalize a bit, uh, you know, their their booster their their profit margin. So, and merchandise has become incredibly important. Now the idea is how to get technology out there, makes it easier to you know buy, you know merchandise and to be able to uh, get those collectible items that you want to get uh quicker. You know, I think that's, that's for
0: giving for example what were you we talking
2: about? Well like you know you go to Red Rocks for example, you know, try you you want to be an experience, you want to get to a concert where yeah. there's a line forty five minutes long this
1: yeah. It's kind of what people are experiencing with Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh yeah and there you go. Perfect example. Yeah yeah. Swift yeah it's and I mean the but but to your point, JK the and not that, I mean, she's making crazy money across the board, but the, but really, the, it's mind-boggling the numbers that merch is, is in that instance, that specific instance, what it's contributing from a revenue standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's an interesting thought too, because, I mean, again, I still remember when my wife and girls went to the concert in Cincinnati, one of their biggest concerns was how long were they going to have to wait for merch? And was that going yeah, uh, to impact the experience? Did they have to wait a long time? They kind of got lucky. I think they got there early enough. Um, but, you know, and then the other side of that is, I mean, A, it's how long you wait. B, it's it's sold out once you get there, which I think is also what you're alluding to, JK. It's like, you know, in the day and age we live in, you know, it seems like you could, you know, scan a QR code, order what you want and enjoy the show or something. And I don't know, something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a highlander's
1: day to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're coming down. Uh, up to time. And I want to be respectful of that for both of you. So I think the last thing that I really wanted to ask you all is, and and I think we've covered a lot of it in the conversation, but it'd be good to kind of, I think, close it out and and clarify it for people. What advice, um, what do you have you know, advice wise for people who are out there trying to build brands? I'd be curious, just both your perspectives, um, but very different backgrounds on people listening to this and they're out there trying to build a brand. What would be kind of your takeaway for them on advice on how to go about that?
0: I can tell you where I always started. I always started with the founder of the company when I talked to him. And I just try to get in with him by myself and just listen to hear him talk about where he came from and why he did. If you listen to the founder of the company, not the marketing manager, not the vice president of sales, but if you listen to the guy that founded the company, he founded the company with a dream. And you have to get that dream out of him. If you can get the dream out of him, you got your direction, and then you can do your branding. So I always started at the top, listened, and and I, I never failed. I came out with the branding before I left. I've been with JK, has been with him. We've done some branding for some people. And when we leave, he says, you got it already, don't you? And I go, yep. Yeah. And I have it. He mm-hmm. goes, I list great. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's um, authenticity, you know, just, just really figuring out what are the core motivations um, that someone's trying to accomplish and trying to, uh, and synthesize that in a way um, that differentiates uh, that company from all others. To me, it, it all comes down to authenticity and differentiation uh, are the are the two keys. And then putting it out there in the world in a way that uh, is very easy to understand It uh, is very uh, easy to um, grasp with you know people just don't have uh, they don't have the attention spans you know that they once had. So. You really got to eat a couple seconds. I feel like to captivate somebody. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go out to be yeah the, uh, you know, the spirit or You know, Vegas in February for the last few two shows, and um, you know with the, that company, they don't have to say anything about their brand. They just show, and in one split brain, they've shown their entire brand to the world, and people are mesmerized. So it doesn't necessarily always have to be. We always like to start with words, but it could
0: be an image uh, as well. Yes, again, kind of illustrates what we're talking about. A guy came to me a couple of months ago, and he says, I've got this great cookie. It's the number one cookie in the Netherlands and Dutch. It outsells se- everything else by 100%. And I said, what's it called? And he says, Stroopwafel. You ever heard of it? No. 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 It's a number one cookie in Belgium and Netherlands. But the main thing is, is it's round, and you put it on the top of your coffee cup. And the heat in your coffee generates and makes that melt and brings out the, all the flavors. He said, "He said well, we're going to call this the Stroopwafel. Right, so I put my marketing hat on and I changed the name. And now we're calling it, we just trademarked it, the coffee cookie. Coffee. It immediately tells you what it does. And the theme line is the only cookie made for coffee. Coffee is the number one drink in America after one. And now there's a cookie that goes with it. Good branding. It identifies what it is. You like coffee? You will like the cookie?
1: There you go. The coffee cookie. No. That's what you need. Yep. All right. That's so. Here's 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 what I'm hearing, and this is this is great. I think this is is a authenticity, or actually, you know, just clarity, and then authenticity and differentiation, but simplicity. And it makes me think of. I remember Steve Jobs. I think was talking about that people think simple is uh, is easy, and he said simple is actually really hard for most people, but. That it's, you have to start with all this information, but ultimately you want to get down to the simplest thing. JK, like you're saying, if you can do it without words, do it without words. If you have to do it with words, try to do it with as few words as possible.
0: You probably picked out the number one marketer of our generation too
1: in Steven Jobs. I mean, he is, he's the yeah. king of marketers. And- yeah, no doubt. And he, there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of clips out there that you can find on him where he was g- kind of sharing some of his philosophies. And they certainly are, uh, they're timeless. I mean, I yeah. applied it as much today as I did then.
2: Yeah. And
1: yeah. different.
2: It was a, it was a fantastic uh, line to, to express, the, not just the Apple product, but the community which he wanted Apple to grow in. was really
0: speaking to the, to the crew that community, did that, at least he, Yeah. Yep. Not the change
2: agents.
1: And by including them in there and include themselves.
0: True.
1: Well, hey, I, I wanna thank you both for your time. I appreciate it. This was great. I um I really I mean, I genuinely enjoyed i I enjoyed the individual conversations that I have. I'm looking to forward to having more, but I've definitely enjoyed this one. I got a lot of notes. I should have told you I was <laughs> taking notes. I got um, you know, got the websites up over here. So I really, I truly, I want you to know, I truly appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm excited to get this out there for other people to hear. If you would, um, will you just tell people how they can connect with you if, if, uh, if they'd like to do that? Yeah. Uh, it's jk.
0: And Kelly at BIA, BIA studio.com.
1: Or they can also connect with you, Kelly, if they want to go to one of the shows you're running security at and get out of line, right? No problem. I'll find (laughs) one. All right, guys. Hey, thank you again for doing this, and I hope you have a great day. I look forward to talking to you both again soon. Thanks, Landon. Enjoying it. Appreciate it.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brand Herald Podcast. For more information, please visit thebrandherald.com. Also, please subscribe to our show and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things branding. Thanks again for listening.